Kings Golden Knights. The road is not a problem for the Kings unless they're in the state of New York. Then it's a big problem. 13-1-1 so far this season in 15 road games. Here to break down the matchup is the mayor. He is John Hoven. John, are you in L.A. or Vegas right now? I'm in L.A. right now, Boom. Oh, Vegas and New Year's, that's right up your alley. I can't believe you're not there. Well, it's also World Junior uh, season right now, so I really should be over in Sweden, but uh, decided to hunker down back in SoCal and uh, take the tournament in from here this year. Okay. So we're starting the conversation. I warned you. I said on the air I wanted to get you on last week. And I, I feel bad because I feel like I do this to you all the time for years. I talk about players who do well once they leave Los Angeles. Brock Favor never played for the Kings, but he's a big, big story in the NHL. The, the Wild are having a revival under John Hines. They've got injuries. The kid's a rookie playing over 30 minutes a night. It's an amazing story. It's getting a lot of attention. The deal happened for a reason. Kevin Fiala was a piece that the Kings desperately wanted to add. He's been a terrific add for them but they paid a huge premium to get him. I'm not saying this is L.A. getting Kobe Bryant out of Charlotte. You know, that was a whole different deal. But these are the deals you live to regret because for the rest of time, if he becomes that defenseman that everyone harkens back on and goes, yes, the Kings were willing to part with this player. And this isn't revision him because you loved Brock Faber years ago. We used to talk about him. So they were willing to pay an expensive premium. But this is a tough one to watch with what he's accomplishing early in Minnesota, no? Well, it's a little tough to watch, but you also have to, you know, focus on some of the other things that you said there, which is the deal happened for a reason. Uh, they did they did make an offer to try to get Brock Faber to sign in Los Angeles to come out of uh, University of Minnesota and turn pro. He wasn't interested at that time because uh, his college team was going to go and you know get another kick at the can at hopefully a national championship. They felt that they were loaded and they w- they wanted to do that, and that, that's his right to uh, to want to have that opportunity. But that also dictates timing as well because the Kings. You know, they had a few pieces at the top of their prospect pool, whether you're talking about Byfield or Brant Clark or Brock Faber. You know, they were dealing from a, a position of strength on the right-hand side. They had too many defensemen that, are, that were right shot, and one of them was most likely going to be moved to try to thin the herd a little bit, and Faber ended up being that piece. So you, you can't keep everybody. So, yes, they would have loved to have had Brock Faber as part of the organization. Uh, it didn't work out that way. And... You know, adding Kevin Fiala, it, it, that was that was a win uh, for them last season. So, you know, we've talked before about the moves that Rob Blake has made in the summer, uh, signing Phil Deneau, getting making the trade for Kevin Fiala. You know, he, he makes big moves over the summer here the last couple of years to try and improve his club, and he felt that he was doing that at the time. If the Kings were able to somehow, you know, make it to the Stanley Cup final or even win a Stanley Cup this season or next season, then I think that they're not going to have those regrets. But if they don't have success over the next five years in this window that they seem to have opened uh, here recently, you know, then yes, then perhaps you look back on that trade. But that was a good hockey trade uh, for both clubs. Um, scouting's hard, man. It is. You know, I was, I spent the last couple of days at a minor hockey tournament watching kids and thinking, how do the scouts separate these kids? But 45th overall in 2000, what do you think the scouts missed on Brock Faber? That's that's a great question. I think you probably need to ask the scouts what they missed on him because it was he was a player. You, you mentioned earlier that we were talked a lot about him. He was a player that scouts did team, uh, tend to to sleep on, uh, even heading into the World Juniors and you know his play with Team USA. Uh, people weren't sure that he was even going to make the team, and then lo and behold, he was their top defenseman. So you know it just he's one of those players who seem to sneak up on everybody. 
but he was at the top of the Kings prospect pool there for a couple of years and one of the real chips that they had to be able to move. What's interesting is, you know, you talked about sort of revisionist history. What if Sabre had signed? How would he fit into this whole piece? Uh, because he probably would be playing in a different situation than what he's playing in Minnesota right now. On the Kings team right now, he probably would have been on the right side on the third pairing because he's not unseating Drew Doughty on the top pair. And Matt Roy ha- has really solidified uh, from a defensive standpoint that second pairing. It, or if Faber was up on the second pairing, would they have gone out and traded for Gavrikov to play over on the left side? Probably not because of the strong play of Faber. So there's so many what-ifs that happen, you know, uh, just because one move goes right, it, it causes so many other moves that, you know, go left. Okay, we're approaching the midway. Actually, your rivals are getting a lot closer to the midway point than you are. You've got a lot of games to catch up. The Kings do. Um, percentage points, you're right there with anybody in the league. What, what have you liked about the first half of the season? Wow. Besides the fact that they seem to get things done on the road, um, what I've liked is up and down scoring, the balance between all four lines. You saw the contribution of the third line just the other night. Uh, you know, with Dubois, and you saw strong play from Kaliev plus La- uh, Laffey as well. So, you know, they're getting that balance up and down the lineup. The defense with Gavrikov, boom, I said it probably five times when I talked to you over the summer, that for my money, I think that the re-signing of Gavrikov was just as big as any other move that they made in the, in the summer. Uh, I, I think that he just he brings a different element both on and off the ice. He's really settled things down. Uh, strong pairing there with Matt Roy. All the underlying analytics are there as well. He's a lot of fun in the room. He, he fit right in from day one. He's just everything that they needed uh, and also really helped balance things out from a righty-lefty perspective uh, on their decor. How do you not like the play of Cam Talbot, though? Uh, you know, goaltending was the question mark coming into the season, and this is a guy who's trying to play his way into the Vesna conversation, and I would have laughed at you if you would have even suggested that back in, you know, August or September. So there's been a lot to like with the club. There still are some question marks, um, including what's going wrong at home and why they can't seem to, to win at home. Uh, but overall, you look at the, the, the larger body of work, and you mentioned it there, on a points percentage basis, which is really the right way to look at the standings, not to look at the points because of the disparity in games played. The Kings are right there among the top three teams uh, in the NHL. So there's a lot to like right now. Uh, Coach Todd McClellan and his staff are pushing all the right buttons. All right, I've uh, gone a whole 90 seconds without ripping the Kings for moves they made in the offseason, so we'll do it again. It's amazing how much I criticize a team that's got a record as good as they do, but there's a lot of attention right now on the Winnipeg trade, and, and a lot of it has to do with Velarde, and he's been red hot the last couple of weeks. And in fairness, you've always loved Velarde. We talked about him too, and you got to give something to get something. But do you think it's fair to criticize Dubois' contribution this early? But look, how do you not criticize the performance? Because in, in a performance-driven you know, job where statistics are easily available to evaluate somebody's performance, Dubois has underperformed based upon his historical numbers. However, if you stop and pause and you really peel the onion back a little bit, it's the reverse story of what happened with Phil Deneau. Phil Deneau produced more offense when he came to Los Angeles than he had previously because he was put in more offensive-oriented roles. He was given time on the power play, et cetera, and his offense took off. When you look at what's going on with Dubois, he's playing on the third line, and he hasn't really been playing with world beaters either. If you go back and look at the time that he was getting 
and the opportunity that he was getting in his other roles where he was more of a featured player and he was playing with higher-end talent, he was producing more points. So from that standpoint, from a fantasy hockey standpoint, Dubois is not producing the same way that he once was. However, you look at why the Kings went out and signed him, and you look at their overall record. This team is better with Dubois than they were last year. If this team would have rolled out the same lineup as last year, they would not be as good as they are, right? most likely, as they are right now. He's given them solid depth down the middle. That third line, at some point it's going to gel. Yes, we're seeing a little bit more recently. Laffey with the goal, Dubois with the goal. You know, recently we're seeing some things happen there with the third line. It's still a work in progress. And Kaliev, who, you know, everybody is waiting for him to have that breakout season. Certainly he's been a solid contributor as a bottom six player. But for the Kings to really take off in the next couple of years, they're hoping to see Kaliev move into more of a middle six or even a top six role. So when it comes to Dubois, it's easy to criticize because the numbers aren't there. But it's hard to criticize when you look at, at the end of the day, it's about winning a Stanley Cup. It's not about winning your fantasy hockey league. And from that standpoint, this team is a lot better than they were last year, in part because of the contribution of Dubois on the third line. Hey, Johnny, let's wrap it up with a thought on Trevor Moore. He's on pace for 40 goals right now. That's incredible. Uh, but I wanted to backtrack this. His breakout year was two years ago. He was outstanding. It was an amazing story. And then last year, he kind of took a step back, and now this year he's exploded. But I believe the story was he was never healthy last year. How would you kind of encapsulate where he's gotten to in the last three seasons. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He wasn't fully healthy last year, and that did certainly contribute. McClellan has always had a soft spot for Trevor Moore. He watched him play in college. He was a very big believer in him. He, he takes exception to when people like me talk about Trevor Moore almost being a throw-in in that trade with Toronto. He's always had high expectations for Trevor Moore, and as he's continued to mature and develop and become comfortable, he's, he's started to show that offensive side. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Phil Deneau, who most likely would be slotted in as a 3C as the Kings move forward in future years, that line continues to be productive, and they've had changes to that line. Arvidsson's been out, uh, you know, injured, and he's missed time over the last season plus, uh, and it doesn't matter. Trevor Moore and Phil Deneau have some sort of a connection, and it's working. You put Kevin Fiala on that line, and he's helping make stuff happen. Trevor Moore has been quite the story. Can he get to 40 goals? I guess we're going to have to wait and see, but that contract that Rob Blake signed him to is looking more and more like a bargain as time passes on. And you go back to that trade in the Dubois deal, the emergence of Trevor Moore is ultimately what made Alex Iafalo expendable and why he had to go for cap reasons. You weren't going to have Trevor Moore and Iafalo at around that $4.1 million mark on your team. So from that standpoint, you know, you can credit Trevor Moore with helping to reshape this L.A. Kings roster. It's been a great story, and here's the thing, Boom. He just has a nose for the net. Uh, it's not always pretty, but he finds a way to put those, those pucks in the back of the net and really has a great shot. Great story. Kings are a great story. Let's hope they get it done tonight. Johnny, thanks for the time. Enjoy the New Year. All right, Boom. Thanks, and thanks for not asking me about Sean Walker for once. I appreciate it.